Welcome in to the Who Day Den, episode three. I am your host, Taylor. Thank you for joining me as we talk through the schedule release. Yes, I realize the schedule release was a few days ago. You'll have to forgive me. I have been battling a sinus cold, so I actually have recorded two previous versions of this same episode, and none of them could go out public because uh, I sounded pretty terrible on those. Uh, so we are on the up and up from that. So forgive my tardiness on the podcast here. But if you missed episode two, uh, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to that. I have been pleased to see uh, new listens trickling in um, kind of each day, seemingly. Some some new people are listening to the podcast. So episode two, if you missed it, um, Nate from Bengals Talk and myself, we, we talked through the Bengals draft and the, the picks that we liked, the ones that we were puzzled by. Uh, I wouldn't say we necessarily gave each pick a grade or anything, but uh, more just gave our analysis on on what the Bengals did in the draft, the needs they addressed, and how that shapes them up for this upcoming year and beyond. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking to Nate. He's a guest, you know, after the show he and I talked. I'm sure he will be on future episodes as well, uh, just kind of chatting with a fellow Bengals fan. There's always lots of fun. So I'm excited about what other guests we'll have this summer, this offseason. Um, we'll get some people on here and Get some more back and forth. But for today, episode three, it is just I. Regardless, thank you for listening. I thank you for tuning in. The draft high is kind of worn off, the luster of it. Um, although I will say my interest was again peaked recently in the last couple of days as we saw a video of Jamar Chase at Paul Brown Stadium running routes, doing drills. It made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Um, and hopefully, if you saw that clip, you felt the same way as I did. But man, seeing number one out there, which first of all, seeing number one on a wide receiver is just really cool. I, I know it's like a small change. I really enjoy it. I'm glad that the NFL is allowing that. It kind of stinks for the current guys, though. It's not going to be as easy for them to change their numbers unless they want to buy. I guess they have to like buy the supply of all their jerseys and stuff that are already out in circulation. So for like some of these star players, even though they make a lot of money, it would cost them like millions of dollars to buy out all of their old jersey numbers. I don't know. Um, but anyways, for the new rookies coming in, they kind of have a clean slate. And we see that with Jamar Chase getting to choose number one. And I like that. I enjoy like I enjoy the college football system where you have different weird numbers all over the field. I just kind of like it. I don't know why. Um, but like when you have a defensive end in college that's wearing like number four, I was like, it's just very interesting to me. I don't know. Uh, and we'll get that in the NFL now with uh, a little bit with Jamar Chase wearing number one. That was awesome to see. And now we've got the schedule dropping and it dropped what last Thursday or something like that. Wednesday. I don't know. Wednesday night, I believe. And um, kudos to the NFL. They make a big deal about everything they do and they always dominate the headlines. They always dominate uh, TV rating things as well. Uh, I mean, like the NBA is coming down the stretch for playoffs. And while it wasn't any playoff games going on that night, I'm sure there were playoff implications with some of their games that were on and I didn't go look this up so you can fact check me but I'm sure the NFL schedule release and the special they did like ESPN did something I'm thinking NFL Network did something I'm sure their ratings are pretty comparable with um, any of the NBA any of the other major sports going on that night if not exceeding them handedly so the NFL kudos to you again making a big deal out of letting us know when the Bengals are playing their opponents and uh, everybody else in the NFL. We already knew who they were playing. We already knew the teams. Uh, we got that information, what, February, March, maybe? 
maybe March, um, but we didn't know when they were going to be occurring. So really, it was just a small new piece of information, albeit important, knowing when you're playing opponents. But uh, yeah, so that's what we get to talk about now in May. Uh, and I will say before we start this exercise, I think in general, trying to consider quote unquote strength of schedule and predict records and things like that in May for games that haven't yet started and won't start for months is pretty, it's kind of pointless of an exercise. Uh, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy talking about it and I'm going to talk about it. Hopefully you're, you know, tuned in this far and you, you are going to continue listening and not tune out now that I said it's pointless. But I mean, when you think about it, we are trying and what really bothers me about what a lot of um, publications will do and podcasts and mainstream media, like most of them, like ESPN, I'm sure they use like previous season record to determine strength of schedule for the current season or the upcoming season. And this was, if you uh, are a fan of the Bill Simmons podcast, he had Warren Sharp on and uh, no pun intended. Warren Sharp is a super sharp dude. Uh, I love using his website, sharpfootballanalysis.com. Or wait, no, I use I use sharpfootballstats.com. I think he's got Sharp Football Analysis is another thing he does as well. Either way, Warren Sharp, he's got a lot of great stuff out there, really smart guy. And he was on with Bill Simmons this past week talking about the schedule release and some of the stuff, uh, the big games. And he focused on this point here of how lame it is and ridiculous to use previous season record to determine strength of schedule. And that's just because everything changes so much season to season and i granted we can't predict injuries for teams and we can't predict who's going to necessarily regress or things like that um but it like we know it's going to happen we just don't know who it's going to happen to um and the nfl is so random there are some teams that year in and year out are pretty consistent in their record pretty consistent in how they perform um I would consider like the Patriots of old were kind of like that. You knew 11 to 13 wins every single season. You knew they were winning the AFC East. You knew they were going deep into the playoffs with Tom Brady. Uh, very consistent. Uh, but for the majority of the teams in the NFL, it doesn't take a whole lot for their season to be derailed or for them to have an amazing season. Maybe one player, usually like a quarterback, exceeds your expectations and they have a great year. Um I mean, I think about if you were looking at the Bengals schedule last year and say the 49ers were on your schedule, you would have said this was a tough game because you're coming, you know, the 49ers were coming off a Super Bowl appearance. They were bringing back a bunch of their starters. Good luck, you know, going up against San Francisco. And wouldn't you know, last year they suffered injuries all across that offense. I mean, namely at quarterback and then. George Kittle, their best offensive weapon, was injured for a considerable amount of time for the year as well. And that team looked completely different last year. That's how they ended up getting like a top, what, 10 pick or whatever. Um, and then ended up trading up even higher to number three. And we can't, we couldn't have predicted that. And full health, that team would have been probably really good again. But looking at last year, so now if you look fast forward to 2021, the Bengals play the 49ers in like week. Uh, I haven't pulled up right now, like 11 or something like that. No, week 14, they play the 49ers. And so if you're losing, using previous season strength of schedule, you would 
consider that a easier game, I guess, because of their schedule last year. But we know that that's not the team of the team of 2020 is not who the Bengals are playing in 2021. It's going to be completely different. Um, so it's just a tangent. I just think it's so silly to use previous season record win loss record to determine who your best opponents are this year because so much changes year in and year out. But either way, let's dive into this Bengals schedule. Sorry for that. I want to go through each opponent and um, not necessarily right now go through whether I think it's a win or a loss, uh, but more just touch on some cool or interesting storylines, I think, to follow. And um, we'll kick it off right away with week one. Minnesota Vikings are in town, and it's nice to have the season start off at Paul Brown Stadium. And we are hopeful that Joe Burrow is there week one. And again, that's another factor that we don't know as Bengals fans and um, our opponents who are planning for the Bengals don't know. Is Joe Burrow going to be the quarterback week one, week two, week three? Do they hold him out for the first month and bring him back week five or something like that? We don't know. And that's going to be one of the main factors determining kind of how the early part of the season goes. If he's not out there, I think the trajectory and outlook of this team is much different, obviously, than when Joe Burrow is at quarterback. Um, but I'm going to assume he is out there for most of these uh, games at the beginning. Um, but week one, Vikings at home. We had the return of Mike Zimmer coming back to Cincinnati, where he served as an assistant coach for a number of years. Um, and then the other thing that I, I didn't realize until I read it from somebody else, I didn't even really think about it. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Vikings, will be coming to Cincinnati to take on his former teammates, Joe Burrow, hopefully. And Jamar Chase. So those three formed quite the trifecta at LSU in 2019, setting all sorts of records and things like that. And um, unfortunately, Jefferson won't be on our side of the ball when we have uh, possession. But nonetheless, we've got two of the three, so not too bad. That'll be fun to watch. And then the other thing I think is interesting is Dalvin Cook, running back for the Vikings, is one of the top five, maybe if you don't like him that much, top 10 running backs in the league. He's extremely talented um really health has been his only knock and when he's healthy he's disgustingly good and right away we are going to see the Bengals defense challenged going up against a strong run game and we saw Cincinnati struggle with that last year in a, a number of games um really it was a theme all season long but when I think specifically of like the uh and I'll, I'll touch on this one a little bit later the by uh Ravens game where they gave up like 400 yards rushing that uh that was hard to watch and really embarrassing and honestly I don't know what's worse another small tangent I'll make it quick but like I don't know what's worse if you have a team that can't stop the run or a team that can't stop the pass and I feel like the run is much like a team that can't stop the run is much harder to watch I don't know why I think it's just because the other team is just grinding first downs uh moving the ball down the field and the clock is running. And it's just like, you, you know, they're going to run the ball and you can't stop them. Oh, that's frustrating. And since I struggled with that last year and in week one, they will get Dalvin cook. And um, I would say the defense looks considerably different from last year, but I am hard pressed to say right off the bat, at least looking you know on paper that they look considerably better right away. Uh, we'll see. Losing Carl Lawson hurts. We know that. Losing William Jackson probably hurts. Uh, but we've replaced them with with some capable guys. And the Bengals were fourth worst in the NFL, giving up almost 150 rushing yards a game. And that's a number that if Dalvin Cook comes close to that, we are in big trouble. So 
right away the Bengals will get challenged up front and hopefully we can stand tall and at least slow him down a little bit or else it could be a long game in week one. Week two, Cincinnati travels to Chicago for their first road game. Now, I am of the belief that Andy Dalton will be quarterback for the Bears at the beginning of the season. I think I could be wrong about that. They might start rookie Justin Fields right off the bat. But obviously, if Andy Dalton is starting, that takes you know precedent as the biggest storyline. He's got a little revenge game, if you want to call it that. Unfortunately, like I kind of wish this game was at home just because I would like to see how the um, home fans would welcome back Andy Dalton. I would hope it would be a pretty warm welcome. I'm not the biggest Dalton fan or Dalton supporter per se. He was extremely frustrating and you know we we could never I don't think he had a huge ceiling and we saw that his best years were the years that we could surround him with just awesome talent everywhere. Uh he wasn't the kind of quarterback that was bringing up the the level of players around him. Um the way Joe Burrow does. It seems like Joe Burrow can elevate a team. Uh, That offensive line was bad last year, but it feels like it would have looked even worse under Andy Dalton. Burrow had some times where he was making something out of nothing. And that's not necessarily a fault to Andy. Everybody's not the, not everybody's as talented as Joe Burrow. I get it. Um, But I think Andy did the best he could. Uh, Unfortunately, the best he could wasn't just, you know, what we wanted, but it was a pivotal time for Cincinnati. I think coming from, the 90s where we were terrible and then Carson Palmer was kind of our savior for a while but then that ended really nasty and it would have been easy to fall right back into 90s Bengals where it's just a dumpster fire and Andy Dalton second round pick and AJ Green the first round pick that year uh, the two of them together really helped keep the Bengals afloat and you know we reached the playoffs a few times and Unfortunately, never were able to kick down the door to a victory in the playoffs. Struggled in prime time. It's all well documented, and as Bengals fans, we've lived it. But hopefully, Andy Dalton would receive a pretty warm welcome here in Cincinnati. Moot point, he's not going to be here. But we'll be potentially going up against him week two in Chicago. Week three, our first divisional game, comes against Pittsburgh on the road. Maybe to nobody's surprise, Zach Taylor is 1-5 versus the Steelers. In his tenure here, his lone win came with Ryan Finley at quarterback in primetime. Ryan Finley at quarterback in primetime. Two things, not just one, two things I never would have thought you'd be able to say about a victory over Pittsburgh is that Ryan Finley was at quarterback and it was in primetime. I remember that game fondly, um, not because necessarily I was rooting strongly for the Bengals. I was actually kind of, you know, rooting for, for losses at that point, just get better draft pick. Uh, but I had a very pivotal fantasy matchup that week. So I watched that game with great intensity and it was just icing on the cake for Cincinnati to win. Either way, Zach Taylor has generally struggled against Pittsburgh. There've been a couple blowouts in there too. of those five losses lost a game by 24, another by 26. And really the offense as a whole has been what's struggling against Pittsburgh. So, um, Only once in those games that Zach Taylor's been coaching have the Bengals eclipsed 300 total yards. And let's be honest, like 300 total yards is a pretty low threshold to eclipse as an NFL team, especially in today's offense-happy, pass-happy league. And that happened with Joe Burrow at the helm in Week 10 last year. And they still ended up losing that game by 
26. So didn't work out either way. But um, Zach Taylor's teams have struggled against Pittsburgh, and I think we are maybe just hopeful <laughs> that uh, Pittsburgh is on. Hmm, I don't want to. They're, they're on like a downward trajectory, or like they're on a weird trajectory. They're a team that I don't think I would ever be shocked that if they like make a quick turnaround. They don't. They don't strike me as a team that's like, hey, we're going to go into a three-year rebuild type of thing. They're the Pittsburgh Steelers. They can get, you know, any free agent they want. They're going to luck into some awesome draft pick. It's just the way it is. Um, but right now, with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm, is not the Steelers of old. And I think we saw that last year that their 12-0 start or whatever was a little bit fluky. And they struggled down the stretch, struggled in the playoffs. And, you know, we, we saw how that ended. But Roethlisberger's back. He had, like, $46 million on the table. So of course he's back and that offense largely looks the same from like your big passing options, but they'll have a new running back and Najee Harris really good out of Alabama, but their offensive line is so decimated that I'm interested to see how successful he'll be behind that line. Um, it'll be another running back that we have to worry about. Honestly, like at least last year, I didn't feel like I worried about going up against like James Conner or Benny Snell or whoever they were rolling out there. Um, it wasn't like back in the days where it was Le'Veon Bell, where it was like, gosh, this guy's going to shred us. They now have a guy in Najee Harris that I think for years to come, we probably will be worrying about a little bit. I'm just not sure if 2021 is the year that he's really going to break through. So we'll see in week three at Pittsburgh if the Bengals are able to rattle Pittsburgh at all, maybe snatch a second win under uh, Zach Taylor against their rivals. After that, predictably tough divisional game. They're always hard fought short turnaround because week four, we've got a Thursday night game at home against Jacksonville. Um, I am thankful that this game is at home for a number of reasons. One, you know, it's a primetime game. Of course you want to be at home. Secondly, you got like a, a fun team to watch. So you've got your number one overall pick, um, Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. You'll have Travis Etienne at running back. They've got, Marvin Jones coming back to town. Um, I remember his four touchdown game. Also, I was at the four touchdown game uh, whenever that was like 2014 or 15. I don't know, whenever it was. And um, I was starting him in fantasy that day. So thank you, Marvin Jones. I won that. I won that matchup. Thank you. I enjoyed Marvin Jones in Cincinnati, so he'll be back. Uh, but anyways, It'll be a fun game, so it's nice to have that in Cincinnati. The other reason that I'm excited that it's in Cincinnati is because it's a short week, and the last thing you want to do is travel on a short week to play an away game. And so thankfully, Cincinnati doesn't have to do that. Looking forward to that game. Hopefully, come away with a victory in primetime against Jacksonville. Week 5, home against Green Bay. No idea what this game is going to look like because we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Packers come Week 5. I tend to believe he will be, and if he is, it's going to be a tough matchup because the Packers are a good team. They could have gone to the Super Bowl last year, honestly. So uh, TBD on that one. If Jordan loves a quarterback, it has a whole different feel, obviously, than if it has Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Week 6 makes it, what, back-to-back -back games against the NFC North. We travel to Detroit to take on the Lions, and if you're trying to tally up wins in your head for 2021, you hope that you're able to count the Lions as one of those pretty easily for the Bengals. Detroit's in a bit of a rebuild. They've got a weird team. They've got, like, you know, an expensive quarterback in Jared Goff, but not a lot of offensive weapons surrounding them other than DeAndre Swift and maybe TJ Hawkinson. 
their wide receiving core is meh. They have a rookie head coach, and I'm not sure their defense is going to be very good. So hopefully we come away with that one with a easy victory. I don't know. There's no easy victories in the NFL, but easier victory. Hopefully we win that week because week seven we travel to Baltimore. And similar to Pittsburgh, Zach Taylor is one and five against the Ravens as well. In fact, he's lost five straight against them. And the last three, by my count, the Bengals have been outscored 114 to 19. 114 to 19 in the last three games. So that's good. Uh, They've averaged almost 250 rushing yards allowed per game in the five losses. 250 a game. That's just crazy. Uh, they've allowed, you know, that one 400-yard game I mentioned. I guess that kind of skews the data a little bit, but it wasn't like they were bottling up the Ravens on the ground and then one game they blew up. I mean, there was other games where it was like 170 yards and then they had a 400-yard one. But I'm counting it. It happened, and it happened against us. So obviously it goes to show the Ravens run well against us. They've averaged over six yards carry against the Bengals under Zach Taylor. So Ooh, that's a tough matchup. And again, I mentioned with week one, you got Dalvin Cook to go up against, um, and we'll get an early look at how the defense is going to maybe look for the season. And let me just say about that, let's not overreact, and we will. We'll overreact in the season for sure. That's what we do as fans. But I do recall week one of the Zach Taylor era. I watched the game out in my sunroom. I actually don't have a TV in my sunroom. I pulled the TV, uh, like took it, uh, where was it? I think it was like in uh, like our dining room or something. I don't, I don't know where the other TV was. And I pulled it into my sunroom, plugged it in, got a nice little setup for the new Zach Taylor era. Let's see how this team looks. And they almost beat Seattle on the road and they looked darn good. And I was stoked. It was about as happy as I could be about a loss. I don't say stoked a lot. I actually hate saying stoked, but I was stoked. And then like they went on to lose uh, 11 more in a row. So. Week one didn't mean a whole lot there, I guess. So let's not overreact if we do bottle up to Dalvin Cook to all of a sudden assume we have an elite defense. But we'll get an early litmus test there that if Dalvin Cook runs wild, it might be might be an ugly year for us again defensively against the run. And Baltimore is definitely a team that you worry about exploiting your run defense if that is a weakness on your team. Week eight, travel to New York. This is the third straight away game. So week six at Detroit, week seven at Baltimore, week eight at New York. The Bengals are one of only three teams, the Colts and Cowboys being the other two in the NFL that have three straight road games. Uh, And this was also, I didn't really realize that looking at the schedule until I heard it on the uh, aforementioned podcast, Bill Simmons podcast, Warren Sharp talking about it. And his point, I think he was talking about the Colts getting screwed there. I don't know, but the, the benefit for the Bengals is their three games, Detroit, Baltimore, New York, like they're all in a decently close proximity to Cincinnati. So for the Bengals to travel to Detroit, prepare for the game, play the game, travel home for however many days before traveling back to Baltimore and then coming home and then traveling back to New York, like those aren't as big of a deal as some of the teams. I can't remember if it was the Colts or the Cowboys he was talking about, like where they have to go to the West Coast, I think. And then it's not like multiple West Coast games. So if if a team would play two or three West Coast opponents in a row, they might just fly out there and stay out on the West Coast instead of going back and forth and back and forth. But if they have like a West Coast game and then the next week is an East Coast game, they obviously can't stay on the West Coast. So they'll be like flying across a couple time zones and coming back home for a few days and going 
other direction in different time zones and just how difficult it is on a team. So thankfully for the Bengals, their three opponents are somewhat close geographically. New York being the third away game. No idea what that team is going to look like with a rookie quarterback. A lot of new faces on offense and a brand new head coach as well. So no idea whether that's a win or a loss. I'd like to hope we could win that game. I don't think uh, the Jets are going to have a turnaround in year one where they're playoff contenders necessarily. So if anything, I think it should be a, a pretty close game, but one that I feel somewhat confident that Cincinnati can win. Week nine, Cincinnati plays Cleveland in their first matchup of the season at home. And unfortunately, gone are the days where the Browns used to be. I remember seeing the Browns on the schedule and you knew that was at least one, probably two pretty easy wins in your division. It was like nice to be able to count on that. I miss the days of going up against Charlie Fry and Johnny Manziel and beating those teams handedly. Um, but wouldn't you know that against Cleveland, Zach Taylor led teams are, yep, one in five. For those that might have lost track, that is one in five against Pittsburgh, one in five against Baltimore, and one in five against Cleveland. That is three in 15 added up together against your divisional rivals in three years. So thank you, Zach Taylor. Uh, but at least against Cleveland, they've been pretty close matchups. The average margin of defeat's been less than eight. Uh, all but one of the losses was a one-possession game. What I thought was a little crazy was I think people recognize, I mean, Cleveland's got big names on offense, sure, but like their defense is pretty scary. They got Miles Garrett is the guy that kind of leads the charge for them, but the rest of their defense is pretty strong. And Cincinnati's moved the ball pretty well against them. Last year in their two matchups, they averaged over 400 total yards. So getting the ball moving wasn't, uh, as difficult for them and I guess that's kind of evidenced by the pretty close games that they've played in the last three years so unfortunately it feels like you know Cleveland is on their way up and up they obviously made the playoffs last year and we'll see if they're a playoff team again this year but we would expect that they'd be in the mix again in 2021. Week 10 brings us the bye week and all I'll say about that is I really enjoy that it's in the middle of the season any injuries that occurred early mid-ish season you've got an extra week there to get those uh, taken care of and you know if you if it's too early in the season it seems like your team can't really um, form necessarily that like chemistry and that mojo that you want them to get going that rhythm and again then it strings together like 12 straight games at the end of the season where inevitably by the end of it you're ravaged by injuries and if you have it too late it's kind of the same thing like by the time you're limping into your bye week you've lost a couple games in a row because there's injuries and you're like desperately needing a break sort of thing. Um, so week 10, perfect spot in my opinion. And also I generally think of bye weeks as when coaches are making their, their biggest adjustments in the season. So typically week to week, you're not seeing a whole lot of scheme changes necessarily. Uh, there's just not enough time usually to implement something brand new for a defense or an offense, but that extra time to prepare after a bye week gives the coaches time to reassess what's working and what isn't working. And hopefully your coaching staff is good enough to, to do that and make the necessary changes. I think the jury's still out on this coaching staff, but hopefully in the middle of the season, we'll have an idea whether we're sitting at what after nine games, whether we're sitting at four and five or three and six, two and seven, whatever it may be, we're going to have an idea just even as fans watching the game of, okay, this is what kind of needs to change a little bit. This is where they're struggling. Is it the red zone offense that's struggling? Maybe they implement new packages during the bye week or something like that. 
having it in the middle of the season, I think is perfect. So I'm, I'm totally down with the week 10 bye. week 11, first one after the bye, and we're heading down the home stretch of the season here at Las Vegas. I have no idea what to make of this matchup because I have no idea what to make of the Raiders. They're kind of an up and down team. I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they're bad. Zach Taylor is 0-3 in the Pacific time zone, whatever that means. Probably not much. I mean, when it's when a coach has won like six games, there's going to be a lot of 0-3s, 1-5s, 1-6, whatever, in, in various matchups. So 0-3, Pacific time zone. Maybe it gets that jet lag, can't prepare as well. I don't know. Week 12 after the West Coast trip, I don't know whether like I don't I don't have the data behind this to know whether going from West Coast coming back home on like a normal rest schedule is like any more difficult for an East Coast team. But uh, it seems like it wouldn't be as easy, you know, longer travel and things like that. But they come back home and then play Pittsburgh, which is not ideal, in my opinion. I know I'm, I'm not as high on Pittsburgh this year. Whoever that dude was on CBS Sports. Uh, I don't remember who it was this past week was saying he didn't think the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to win six games. I'd be a little surprised by that, but um, they're not as strong as, as we've thought they were in recent years, but that doesn't mean I'm any less scared of them as a Bengals fan. Week 13 at home against the Chargers should be a fun game. Second year in a row, the Bengals get to play uh, Los Angeles Chargers at home. Um, last year was when Joe Burrow got the, the rushing touchdown. I think it was his first touchdown as a Bengal. And um, the the fun storyline this year will be Justin Herbert, the reigning rookie of the year, which I am convinced Joe Burrow would have won a rookie of the year had he stayed healthy all year. I really think he was going to put together a, a torrid stretch down the run, but whatever. Um, that didn't happen. So Justin Herbert, reigning rookie of the year, and very talented quarterback uh, in his own right going up against Joe Burrow will be a really fun battle to watch week 13. Week 14, I mentioned San Francisco earlier. That's who we're playing. The Niners week 14 at home. Don't know whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo starting quarterback. Maybe they're rookie Trey Lance. Who knows? Um, but again, I'm betting that the team that the Bengals are playing here in week 14 of 2021 is a lot better than what their record showed last year in 2020. If they're healthy, they are a team to be reckoned with. And I trust their coaching staff. I know I think sometimes coaching staffs get a little bit too much love and a little bit too much hate at times. Um, and Shanahan's one of those guys that's like teetering on, gets a little bit too much love. Like everything he does is always just a genius. And I'm not ready to crown him as a genius necessarily, but I do feel like I trust him um, as a coach. So I just think generally, I think a little bit highly, more highly of his teams because I know they're going to be prepared. And um, Shanahan, I think he's got a good game script that he runs. He's uh pretty good at keeping his running back room fresh. He's got a number of guys there, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson. I think it was two years ago when we played the Niners, Jeff Wilson ran wild on us. Um, I think it was. And uh, then they just drafted Trey Sermon as well out of Ohio State. So they've got like a three or maybe even four-headed monster out of the backfield that I'm sure they'll be leveraging as well as George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. It's a, it could be a pretty dangerous offense for sure. Week 15, Cincinnati travels to the rarefied air of Denver to take on the Broncos. Hey, this could be Aaron Rodgers. You know, if we don't get him against Green Bay, uh, maybe we get him week 15 at Denver. They've been rumored as a team. Man, wouldn't that be terrible if somehow Aaron Rodgers started the season with Green Bay and we get Aaron Rodgers 
uh, when we're playing the Packers. And then he gets traded in season to the Broncos. We got to play him again in week 15. That's not going to happen. But man, that would be insane. Uh, I think more likely, though, we're going up against Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. Neither of those guys scare me. Their offense, like their skill position guys, they're strong. Um, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, uh, Noah Fant at tight end. They just drafted Javante Williams, the running back out of North Carolina. They got Melvin Gordon. Uh, it could be a really, 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 really good offense. I just don't I don't really like Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, and I wouldn't say either one of those guys really scare me. So, again, that would be a game that I'm not – you know, chalking up as like, oh, easy win. But I would hope that uh, that would be a game that we could come away with uh, a win out of. Week 16, we return home, take on Baltimore. I kind of feel like that could be a win for us if we're going to steal one from Baltimore. Um, The Ravens schedule leading up to that game, they play the Browns at home. Then the they travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Then they travel to Cleveland to take on the Browns again. And then they have the Packers at home. So again, let's assume Aaron Rodgers is on the Packers. They're going to have two games against the Browns in three weeks. They've got the Steelers and the Steelers and Ravens always play each other tough. And it's a bloodbath. And then you've got the Packers who are a really, really good team. So coming off of a stretch of four games that are pretty brutal. And then to travel to Cincinnati, December 26th. I kind of feel like that could be a game the Bengals could steal if they're going to steal one from Baltimore. Week 16 is the one that it could happen. Week 17, home against Kansas City. Uh, Interestingly enough, this is like a a sexier matchup than most Week 17s would have been against Kansas City in past years. So adding the extra extra week to the season, um, now playing 17 games and having 18 weeks of the season, it's unlikely the Chiefs are resting starters with another week after this one. So we should get to see the full gang, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey returning to the city where he played college football with the Bearcats. Um, I'm extremely worried about that game being competitive. Could be an offensive showdown, although I think uh, Kansas City's defense is a little bit better than ours. Uh, so either way, it'll be a lot of uh, – offensive stars on the field and to see them in Cincinnati will be fun as well. And then week 18, we close out the season at Cleveland. I'm imagining Cleveland's going to be in the playoff picture. So there's a chance maybe if they've locked something up, they're resting some of their starters. Unfortunately, I'm not sure we're going to be playing for much week 18 at Cleveland, but we'll see. So we've run through all their games. Uh, I think I touched on these already, but I think their most exciting games are probably the Thursday night one against Jacksonville, the game against the chargers and obviously the Kansas city one. Um, coming from the background of playing fantasy football a lot and in many leagues, um, I am interested more in the offensive side of the ball. I would say like most normal fans like the offensive side of the ball. And those games have some really fun players and, uh, to get to see them in Cincinnati will be a lot of fun. And I wanted to touch on some important stretches for the season. Now, I know it's a, what, seven, 17 game season now. Yeah. So it's kind of like you could say it's a long season, but it's not really when you know, compared to NBA or MLB, like if, if the Reds get swept in Colorado against the Rockies, even though they shouldn't, uh, it's what three games out of, I don't remember how they're playing in this season. I think they're playing like 140 or something, but usually it'd be like 162, like three games out of 162. Is it, is it bad for your, uh, 
your team vibes, maybe sure. Yeah. Like your team chemistry. I don't know, but three games out of 162, like not that big of a deal. If the Bengals lose three games in a row, that's, that's tough. Um, out of 17 games, you don't, there's less room for error there. So I think there's important stretches to the season. I think weeks four through eight are probably the Bengals. I want to say easiest stretch, but they're, best chance at stringing together some wins their opponents during those five weeks would be jacksonville green bay detroit baltimore new york so if i think new york and detroit and jacksonville are winnable games you're looking at hoping hopefully stealing one at home against green bay or at baltimore you steal one of those you go four and one during that stretch obviously goes a long way towards you know a successful season um i'm really worried on the flip side about after the bye week, uh, week 11 is uh, Vegas. I don't know what to expect out of the Raiders, really, so maybe I won't count them here. But after week 11, week 12 through the end of the season, home Pittsburgh, home Chargers, home Niners at Denver, uh, home Baltimore, home Kansas City at Cleveland. Like if you told me they went two and six down that stretch and only won games against the Raiders and Denver, I wouldn't be shocked two and six like that would be crippling down the stretch. You're not, I don't see this team being one that sets themselves up with a huge first half of the season where they can endure a two and six stretch and still have a winning season. So that would be really pretty crippling for the Bengals, which brings me to my win loss prediction. I think this is probably like a six and 11 type of season. Um, I will say give or take one. They went five and twelve. I wouldn't be shocked if they went seven and ten. Wouldn't be shocked. I think if they went eight and nine, I would be like very pleasantly surprised. Uh, they took a couple more games than I was expecting. If I have to like pinpoint my six wins, I'm gonna say like Chicago. I think they could win. Um, I, I just I know Chicago's defense is supposed to be you know pretty good, but uh, I think Chicago's a winnable game. Detroit's a winnable game. New York Jets winnable game. Uh, Raiders, I think a winnable game, Denver winnable game, and then that's five. So you only need to steal one against your divisional opponents, which, you know, history tells us recently has been harder said than done. Um, So if we can't win any against our division, could we beat the Niners? Sure. Could we sneak in a win against Green Bay? Maybe. Uh, Maybe we win Vikings week one, something like that. Uh, Like I said, maybe like week 18, Cleveland's resting starters and you snag a sixth win. That's why I guess I wouldn't really be surprised. Like if we stole one extra game, we ended up seven and 10, but I don't think this is a season where we're posting a winning record and we'll get into it in a future podcast, Zach Taylor and his job security. I actually think six and 11 is probably enough for him to keep his job for another year. It helps that he's got Joe Burrow in this corner. Um, I think six wins is probably the minimum though, that he needs to be safe if he has a five-win season, that's it's going to be tough for him to make it through another offseason when um, all the fans are clamoring for some wins. Uh, unfortunately, when I think about Joe Burrow, I'm thinking in a five-year window for like his rookie contract. I'm hopeful he's a bingo for life, but who knows? And if we lose a lot in five years... There's no reason to think he's going to want to stay. So I'm thinking in a five-year window, and we've kind of already lost half of year one because of the injury. And if we have a poor season in year two here of the Joe Burrow experiment, 
uh, we have three years left to try to turn things around and to go from, I know I said a lot, a lot changes in the NFL season to season. Um, could they go from six and 11 this year to 11 and six next year? Sure. They could make a turnaround. Uh, if I'm thinking more incrementally, uh, a couple of wins extra each year to win six this year, eight the next year, then you're hopefully in the what fourth year of Joe Burrow putting together a nine, 10, 11 win season and, and getting into the playoffs. It feels like you're wasting your window here with a with a really good quarterback that's under a rookie contract, which allows you to make more moves in free agency. Um, not to mention, you know, not even mentioning the money, like he might, you know, God forbid, not even want to stay here. So six and 11 is probably enough to save his job. Um, for Zach Taylor, at least five wins though. I think you got to start looking elsewhere. That's a topic for, for another episode. We're going to have fun all off season. Um, right now we get to speculate about the schedule all summer. We'll get to make our predictions and react and probably more so overreact to what we see and hear through camp. I know I was probably in my mind overreacting to the uh, Jamar Chase drills that I saw when he's running against the air in shorts and no pads. He's not doing anything like special that I haven't seen him do in a game, but I was just like, oh yeah, baby, wheels up. Still could be, still will be, still will be for these Bengals. But we're going to overreact to everything we hear. Uh, I mean, just recently we've heard that Joe Mixon is going to be out there for all three downs, which I will believe it when I see it, but people uh, might be already taking that as the gospel and important in the soft season. Take everything with a grain of salt. It's not overreact unless we're going to have fun with it. Let's let's have fun with our overreactions. There is no off season here in the who day den. So we will be covering everything that's going on, having some fun with it, having some listeners. Thank you for listening. You're appreciated. Until next time, who day? <laughs>